0: Shall we pray? Our heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Yes. I know we've already thanked you for the sun, but Father, thank you for the sun. For some people's health depend on this sun right now. So, Father, I just want to say once again, thank you. Thank you for your traveling message that has brought each and every one of us here this morning. For I know you have a plan for us this day. It is a plan that is meant to prosper us. It is a plan that is meant to reestablish us in whatever we have failed in. It is a plan that is going to restructure us upon the foundations that you have already built. It is not a plan to fail or destroy us, Lord. Give us sound mind for your word. Give us the attentive grace to be able to listen to your word this morning. That we can cast before you all our distractions. For this next couple of minutes, oh God, that we can come before your throne of grace and mercy, that we can be fed and equipped for today and the week ahead. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you for having me this morning. Uh, thanks coming in from Pastor Lloyd as well. He said to extend his love and his greetings to you. And... Um, Greetings from the family. They are not here today with me, Uh, but yeah, we give God praise. And uh, thank you once again for the 18 months of us coming here back and forth each and every time, uh, fellowshipping together. It's it's been a great journey and uh, it's been God, you know, it's been God. Uh, I'm sure when I said 18 months, a lot of you were like, oh, wow. yeah." 18 months. It's been 18 months. And uh, we give God praise. Amen. Amen. All right. Before we start today's sermon, or before we start today's preach, I'll ask, who is the greatest among you here this morning? Oh, please don't do this. (laughs) Can we leave Jesus and God out of it? Can we also leave the 12 disciples minus Judas? And can we leave, yeah, can we leave anybody in scripture right now? Who comes to mind when you think about some of the greatest people in life? Aside Jesus, aside God, aside Paul and Peter, aside John. Good, thank you, your mother. God bless her. And happy Mother's Day to her in advance. She's with the Lord, bless her as well. Anybody else? Wow. Wow. Okay, uh, so I'm going to mention a few names and I'm sure you, a lot of you will be like, oh yeah, I know that, okay, I know that, okay, I know that. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Sir Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> the King of England. <laughs> That's good. William Shakespeare. You saying both, yeah, yeah. My, my Jamaican people are in the house. That's good. Um, Michael Jackson. Mm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh wow. Oh wow. Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Mm. Wow. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so this morning we are going to be looking at true greatness and uh, what kingdom greatness looks like and what earthly greatness looks like and uh, the prize of greatness. Amen? Amen? So if you have your Bibles, if they are your Bible actually, open up to Mark chapter 10. If they are your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 10. As we read together, Mark chapter 10, reading from verse 35 to 45. <clears throat> I'm reading from the New King James Version. Uh, and I read. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want, to do, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able so Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten had ate, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentile, lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. Amen. Isn't that interesting? That James and John decides to call Jesus aside. And have a conversation. And it wasn't even a request. It was, it was more of an order, a command. They were like, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. It wasn't even a plea. Like, can you consider what we are thinking of? And I don't want to jump in there, but sometimes our relationship gets us to a place, our relationship with God, our relationship in church, wherever our relationship is, we get to that place where we become familiar. That we sometimes don't think about some of the things we speak or we say or we request of the people who are leading us. And this is a clear example of James and John asking Jesus to do whatever they ask. Last time I checked, Jesus was the teacher, he was the leader, he was the one discipling them. It wasn't the other way around. But because of his nature, his relationship with them, they assumed that they could come and ask of him. But the beauty of this passage for me is that Jesus didn't condemn them. He said, you know what, it is not your fault that you think as such. It is not your fault that your thought pattern is the way it is. It is because of the society you live in. It is because of the culture of the people. That's how they live. So instead of me condemning you, we are going to restructure your thought process and the way you reason. And I think sometimes that's something we as believers, we have to also learn. Because we are going to encounter a lot of people who will come in demanding certain things from us. And it is not our place to condemn them. It is not our place to tell them off. It is our place to, what Paul says, reason with them. Paul said, I could actually tell you to do this, but I am going to reason with you. I am going to appeal to you, appeal to your reasoning. But it's interesting that we are looking at this from Mark chapter 10. Because if you still have your Bibles open and you flip to Mark chapter 9, we are told of Mark chapter 9, 33. We are told that on their way, then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be the last of all and servant of all. Amen? It feels like we've already had enough of James and John already. But let's go to Matthew 20, verse 20 to 26. Our key emphasis will be on 26 to 28. Matthew 20, 20 to 28. And I read. Then the mother of Zebedee, sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him and he said to her what do you wish this time around jesus is asking their mom what do you wish she said to him grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom what mothers can do for their children? You can't blame her. She's looking out for them, you know. And uh, it's interesting. Next week is Mother's Day. Bless you all, mothers. Bless you all, spiritual mothers, for what you do. The, I, I believe this is coming from the purest of heart for our children. You know. And... Uh, but Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Meaning that it wasn't even just their mom. The boys were with their mom. So they already had an encounter with Jesus alone. They they cornered him around and had a conversation. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased. So we'll come back to our main verse, which is in Mark. So here we are. The disciples already had an issue on their way in chapter 9. Where they were arguing among themselves who is going to be the greatest. And then jumping in into verse 10, James and John again went to have a personal meeting, a private meeting with Jesus about them being placed on the left and the right hand of Jesus Christ. Like I said earlier on, sometimes it is about familiarity. It is also about our relationship or sometimes even it feels like because we know each other, we can ask of such a favor. Amen? Amen? But it is great that Jesus tells them that, look, it is the community in which you come from, the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles were known to lord it over people. So this was their example of greatness. Growing up, this is what they saw. That becoming great, you need to, you need to, you need to be around the great people. Not only should you even be around the great people, you need to be seen extremely close to them. And Jesus said, that's not it. You are getting the whole thing wrong. And currently as a society, we are seeing a lot of things happening among us. The changes that we are experiencing right now, the culture that is being exhibited in terms of hard work and reward uh, the commentary you hear from younger people or even older people saying soft work easy work hardly working all of these things the influx of social media making it possible for people to make a living uh, some may ask the question then what happens to the engineers what happens to the scientists what happens to all these people yeah everybody has their part to play But Jesus is telling us that there comes a time that where we are as a people, the community we find ourselves, things like this will arise. The people that we serve, the people that we lead, will look at what is happening in society and tend to ask the question, can it be modeled in the church? Can it be modeled in Christendom? And it is for us not to condemn them, but actually acknowledge the fact that yes, this is something that is happening, but... Biblically, in the perspective of church, Christ, this is not the case. Because what happens is a lot of the time when we condemn these people, they walk out of church. A lot of the time, the posture we take as church prevents people to even walk through the door in the first place. The narrative people have of the church is so different that... They don't even want to step foot in. But Jesus here is saying, you know what? I am not going to condemn you because, one, I know you for so long. I'm not going to tell you of because we've walked for this far. I'm not going to tell you because I know your mom and your mom had already come. No, all these instances, you know. I'm not going to even remind you of them. But I'm just going to let you understand that. There is the tendency for where you live... The cultural imbalances to creep into your Christian life, and you have to guard it strongly and you have to be discerning enough to be aware when you are losing those grounds to the things of the world and fall back in line. But here Jesus is saying, "Well greatness comes by being a servant to others, not exalting yourselves above others just like we were mentioning some of the people that the world might perceive as great, there were names we mentioned and people were like, hmm, and there were names we mentioned and people were like, yay, yeah. and that's it. What, 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 what made you react the way you reacted based on some of the names we, we, we called out today is because of how they projected their greatness. It's because of the way they actually used their influence, their authority over people. And then when we look at others, they were very selfless to their last breath. So this morning, I just want to encourage us. We can't use the standard of the unrighteous to attain true greatness. Or we can't use the standard of the unrighteous to attain righteousness. In today's world, most people, like the names we've mentioned earlier, reach greatness by working hard in their field or often in the workplace by stepping on others. In the kingdom of God, you reach greatness by serving others in love. Amen. To be great, you must be a servant. But you see, when, we, when we, it would be nice to find another way to actually replace the word servant here, which will still hold the power that the West Seven holds here, because the West Seven in the world right now has been derogated to a place where it's like they are the dirtiest, the filthiest of people. They stink, and all of that. When they walk into this room, we might all find a place to run off. That is the narr- narrative that we are being told. I am sure if the Children Ministry were here and you asked them who is a servant, they'd be like, mm, there's "Someone who serves, uh, someone." They do like the menial jobs and all of that. But that's not, that's not it. Scripture-wise, that isn't the case. Oh, better still, so if scripture-wise that was the case, Jesus came to serve us and redeem us from our sins. If him being in that filthy state redeemed us, how filthy were we? I'll leave it there. I won't go there. I am not downplaying or belittling as believers when it comes to us having great aspirations. That's what Jesus said to them as well. All I'm saying is that in the context of the world, the method of being seen to have achieved greatness is so much like the Gentiles. And it's interesting, it's even happening right now. This week, there's been a lot happening. I won't go there again as well. Because if, if if, if you are... One who follows current affairs, you will know what I'm about to say. And we must be careful we do not adopt that approach as believers, as was the case for James and John. So I am not saying you can't dream big. James and John were dreaming big. I'm not saying you can't dream big. Ask God how you can use your skills and talents to make the biggest possible impact in his kingdom. Your kingdom comes. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10. Just have this at the back of your mind. When it comes to the people of God, us, we must be servants at heart. Not celebrities or seem to be on top of others. And Jesus demonstrated he chose the way of sacrificial service. So why should we expect a different path? That also is not saying that you have to bind yourself to a certain narrative that you have to suffer all throughout your life. You need a balance. In the world, but not of it. We do not follow the pattern of the world. Jesus must be our pattern. So Jesus is telling us this morning that, yes, we are in this world, but we are not of it. Whatever the world does, just like the Gentiles were doing, that is not what we copy to do. If you have difficulty in how society is living their lives right now, you come back to the scriptures. Amen. It is detailed how to live your life. It tells us from beginning, train up a child in the way they should go, that when they grow up they do not. It starts from beginning, infancy. So if we start from there. Infant child coming up, adults, they wouldn't depart from it. But if we miss that foundational training when they are young, then what we are trying to do when they are old is trying to miss, miss and hit, kind of, and trusting God for the grace of God to help us through it. Loving others can hurt our ego ambition, and desire to get ahead. But what Christ is telling us here is that in trying to put yourself ahead of everything else, you have to also consider the next person. And as believers, we are a community. We are not a single entity. So whatever we do, we have to always have that kingdom mindset at heart. We have to think about our next action and how it impacts the people around us, especially believers, and also largely unbelievers because the challenge now with the church is how unbelievers look at us so if we are doing things just like them what is the essence of them coming to us someone said to me being good is okay because the people of the world are also good what else do you offer as a believer Or let's just say being kind is something that the world is good at. So if as a believer you are kind, is that all you can offer? We must be willing to serve one another through love. Galatians 5 verse 13 and I read, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We must serve without expecting anything in return for the glory of God. No strings attached. I was watching a a BBC documentary in either South Africa or one of the Eastern African countries where they were talking about coffee it was a business connected to Unilever and how the people who were recruiting these farm laborers were insisting on sleeping with the women before they gave them jobs and my question then and my, ch- my struggle was that the job isn't yours you were also employed by someone else who pays you Why are you, they pay you. Why are you putting someone else through this tough time before you offer them a job that was offered you with no strings attached? And you will be surprised some of these people go to church every Sunday. We must serve by using our gifts and talents. 1 Peter 4:10. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what I'm trying to say here is that whatever giftings, whatever talents you have, yes, it is for your benefit, but as much as it's for your benefit, it is also for the benefit of others around you. The hands are not the same. This morning when the worship team was singing. Their voices were not the same. We didn't have the same voices singing on all four microphones. We had different voices, but they were singing in unison, and it was beautiful. There was harmony. Jesus is telling us that, yes, with your giftings, with your talents, with your skill sets, even with your relationship with me, don't lord it over people. Use it to serve. Use it to render a service to them. And sometimes I know the next question that someone might be pondering about right now is, how do I serve? I don't, I don't see my skill sets being able to be used in a church environment. No. Every skill set that you have can be used in a church environment. From how the drinks are mixed, from how the water is served, from how the PA system is utilized, from how the cameras are used, Everything. And I bet you there are people here who might be doing sound engineering, but they might not have ever come up to the PA guys and be like, can I, can I help? Or some people might be vloggers here. They do their own mini reels on Instagram and TikTok, but they'll, mm, they'll be like, mm, I don't want to be on a church camera. God is saying to us this morning that true greatness is out of you using those skill sets to serve the vineyard. Interesting thing, is only on a Sunday. So God is not saying, give it all to me every day. If If you fellowship in a space that requires of you more often, praise the Lord. But if you fellowship in a space that requires you twice or once in a week, I believe I'm challenging us this morning to think about it. Where do you think you can serve in this space? I was smiling when uh, uh, Rana mentioned about, Pastor Rana mentioned about evangelism. And also how he mentioned about marching on Good Friday, which is going to be beautiful. Because most of the time when that is mentioned, people tend to fall back. And when it's over, they come in. But this is the time to share your skills. It might be in doing placards, holding billboards, whatever it is. It might be putting on t-shirts that, that spread the gospel. Whatever whatever ways you can actually do these things. Be creative. I've always found out this challenging thing with us as believers. We can spend days trying to figure out how to make things work at work. But we don't spend hours trying to figure out how things can work in church. We give bare minimum. During COVID, one thing I, I had faith about was the fact that the scientists were spending time trying to find a cure for the COVID virus. And I know some of them might have slept at work for days. Some, some didn't see their families for weeks, months, all in the name of trying to find a cure. I am not saying because of that, we wait on God for months and not go home. No. But when it comes to doing the things of God as well, my challenge to us when we are challenged for greatness is to look at delivering excellence. Amen? Amen. Oh, yeah, it's challenging, but I'll I'll share with you this morning. Amen? I, I wouldn't hold back on that. I, I believe, I am a firm believer that excellence starts from the house of God. And if we all can bring our skills and serve God excellently, we will, we will reap the rewards. Because it is easier for us to work shifts, eight hour, 12 hour shifts, and not complain. But we can't do church Or prayer for 45 minutes. There seems to be that draw, that pull, that pulls you away from it. But one question then is, if you did as little as you do, and God is still faithful, what happens if you do more? We must do our best to reject selfish ambitions live with humility, and be concerned for the interest of others. We must remain selfless, loving, and God-honoring in everything that we do. If you don't take anything away from this morning, remember this, remain selfless, loving, God-honoring in whatever you do. Because scripture tells us what, in whatever you do, in deed or in, in whatever you do in, thank you, word or deed, do it to the, do it to the, do it to the glory of God. That whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God, how we spend our time, how we serve. how we worship how we speak to others how we look out for other people's interests in all that we do we ought to do it to the glory of God not to our glory the challenge is humans as we are we would praise each other it is fair it is encouraging to be praised but We shouldn't allow the praise to now become the determining factor for why we do the things that we do. Someone said, when you stand for the cheers, then you will fall for the booze. We should do regardless of whether we are being praised or not. It is better we are storing our treasures in heaven where it's safe. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning, meaning it's actually even a sin for us to say that, look, we are of God, we are a people of God, we are a church of God, and we do these things. And no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. If you know him, you know what He is like, you know what he expects of you. And the beauty here is that Jesus knew his disciples. So he quickly knew that, look, this is not, this is not a, an issue of them not knowing me. They know me, which is why they've come to me, to ask of me this thing. They know I'm that kind, so I'm just going to lay it out for them. I can't offer you that. But also, I'd like you to understand that this thing that is creeping in is within the context of the Gentiles. So walk away from it. Our lives must reflect Jesus Christ. Just as the son of man did not come to be saved, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Amen. So this morning I would just like us to spend the next few minutes asking ourselves that question. Where do I serve? How do I serve? Have I been serving? Can I improve on my service to God? Sometimes it might not be here. Sometimes it's just about you witnessing to others at work. Sometimes it's even your interaction to those who don't believe in God. And i always said this. Because that's the challenge for us. We are happier having conversations with believers because it's the easiest. But those who don't believe, they'll come with all sorts. How are we able to witness to them? That is also an avenue of serving, witnessing, evangelizing. Especially for those of us who spend time at work Do people even know who you are and what you stand for? Or do you wear a different coat when you get to work? And when you jump on the train, you put on your holiest of holiest coat again. Or you even keep it off till you walk into this space. Jesus is telling us that greatness is true serving. It is not true lording it over anyone, bossing yourself around telling people off that's, that's not a model that's the model of the world if that's how we used to do it from today right now let's have a change of heart let's approach it differently it is my prayer that God gives us the ability to even speak about it in a different way one of the things Pastor Lois says very often he says it is not It is not what you say, it is how you say it. It is not what you say, it's how you say it. And the other thing we've we've been talking about recently is about us being the thermostat and not the thermometer. And for me, the understanding of that is that the society is going to be fluctuating every now and then. And the thermometer will keep on telling you what the temperature is. If, as believers, we assume the position of a thermometer, what is going to happen? If we hear something about this, we'll jump to it. If we hear something on that, we'll fall for it. We are called to be thermostats. So when, 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 when the temperature in the room is changing, it's becoming too cold. We're like, okay, let's warm it up a bit. Let's bring our balance. When it's becoming too warm, let's, let's bring a bit of cold. Let's, let's balance the conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this right now because the week ahead of us, when people start having conversations, when people start talking about how they've done things and they've not been recognized, how they've served the Lord for 12 years and they've not been honored, you'll be that one person among all of them who will be like, brother, it is well. You don't generally, yeah, or, they are ingrates, they are ungrateful beings, they are not. No, you come in and you speak differently. Maybe in the past you might, have, you might have joined them to sing the chorus. But this week, the way you speak to them, they look at you and like, oh, wow. What happened? <laughs> you know, let's remember this, that as we go out, we are the thermostat of this world. Jesus demonstrated it in this passage here in Mark. He could have also said, how dare you get out of here? We are, in the, we, are in the, we are in the Gentile space, right? So can we all act like the Gentiles right now? Yeah. The mom comes up, kneels down before him, like, my, my dear, get up, go, leave here. You know? Even when he asked them, what were you guys grumbling about? They kept crying. He said, he no, he, he was like, you know, I get it. It is difficult. Because in the heat of the moment... A lot of these things we just say. But once you, you are more aware of yourself, sometimes when these conversations are happening, you step back and you're like, you know what? Well, let me process my thoughts. There, there's a there's the motto that myself and my missus we say we say, well, no more than we share, have more than we show. In the sense that if you are not very very close within our circle of friends there is very little you know about us until you are within our circle that you know quite a few things and we are intentional about how we present ourselves outside so you get people coming closer to you before they are like oh really but why didn't you say no there's no point in saying it until you get to know us you get to know certain things and as believers, sometimes we have to take up that front. We don't have to go gamblesing. It's a sin. Oh, the Lord says this. Oh, you are, you are fornicating. No. We have, to, we have to adopt a posture. And like I said, if there is any challenge that you are facing in life that the world is going through and you are like, What does God say about it? Read your Bible. Because it's there. It is there. The wisdom in the Bible is so much that you don't need to read any seven habits of effective whatever to be effective. One key example for me was when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they told him of to be honest with you, if I was in his shoes right then, then I don't know if I had a response. But he, he, he appealed to them. He said, how many of you here, if your sheep or anything is in trouble, needs water, need feeding, need all of this, that you say because it's the Sabbath, I wouldn't care for them. All I'm trying to let you understand here is that the same way you care for the things that belong to you, this individual belongs to my father. And I'm I'm just, I'm just serving. I'm just delivering my service. And one beautiful thing about him is that Jesus is that he could look at the multitude and still call on Zacchaeus to come down. And say he's the one I'm chilling with today. May the Lord bless us. May he keep us. May he strengthen us. Because for one thing I am sure of is that we are entering a season where our tongues need to be seasoned. That we need to say the things that we need to say in the right way. Not just because we feel like saying it, we say it. But how we say it should matter to us. Because sometimes you have to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're about to speak to to learn that you need to speak to them differently. And often at times we so forget ourselves that we ourselves used to be sinners or still struggling with sins. The fact that you put on this medal of Christianity doesn't mean you start telling people off and lashing people left, right, center but that you understand that they are also on a journey. They might not be on your level, but whatever level they are on, you can bring them to that perspective of understanding that you have, which allows you to speak the way you speak. The Bible says, when I was a child, I acted as one. It's the same way with people. As we all grow together, we are talking today about greatness about serving in the house of the lord some people today will be like oh we we think all is well there are there are enough people serving we haven't thought about that even because by the time we come to church everything is set up and is running all right but because we are having this conversation i'm sure people will be approaching people will be having the conversations people will be thinking about it what other ways can we also help the welcoming team can we help so that some people will take some time off? Can we help the worship team so some of them will take a break for two weeks? Can we do this so that the PA systems, not, they are not the same people every day? The camera team, the online stream, can I also learn? And also this is the point where we are willing to learn. I've always said the church environment is where we learn. The world tends to sell everything, nothing is free. But, This space is a safe space that you can learn. You can make errors. You can make mistakes. And I believe that you can be corrected graciously. If you don't make errors here, where do you want to make the errors? So I challenge us this day. Just like we ourselves, when we're talking about some of the great people in life, we ourselves, we identify that some of them don't deserve to be called the greatest of all times. Because they do not hold the attributes of true greatness at the same time we had an understanding of people who had true greatness and why because of how they lived their lives so how are you living your life amen Amen. thank you